Welcome to Grounded in the Word. Here in this podcast, our concern is all about the foundation or the soil of our hearts. The state of the soil or the state of our hearts, the foundation that we build upon determines everything. Just as it is with the building, if the foundation is not right, then the rest of the building will follow in suit. It will not be right. It will be unsafe, unsteady. Or if the soil that a seed is planted in is not good or pure soil, then what is grown, what is birthed from that seed will not be good, will not be pure. So we need to make sure that our foundation and our soil is good and right and pure. And that's all that we are concerned about here is just making sure that what we are planting in, the seed that we are receiving, making sure that it's going into good soil and making sure that which we are building up is built on a good foundation. I pray that you join us in this endeavor to ensure that that foundation and ensure that that soil is good. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Once again, excited to be back with you all. So in the last episode, we... I don't know if it'll actually show through if you listen to the listen to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but the last episode started what is dubbed as season two, episode one of Grounded Grounded in the Word, because uh, we're shifting our focus a little bit um, off of the foundation. I'm not going to rehash everything that we said in the last episode, but so in the last episode, we endeavored to begin this segue over um, with a Q&A, a focused Q&A, particularly with questions focused on uh, the Christian life and, and what it means just to be Christian. Uh, we didn't get through a ton of questions, but I felt like the, the questions that we got through and the, the things that were said regarding those questions were really uh, thought-provoking and just filled with a lot of wisdom, um, not just information, but wisdom. Um, and if you don't understand the difference between information and wisdom, essentially wisdom is what you know applied. So how do you apply what you know to be true? Um, so we began with very focused, um, questions regarding Christian life and what it means to be Christian. And that was very uh, intentional and very pointed uh, because in this, this coming into this new year and um, segueing into this new season of the podcast, but also we could even say a new season of life um, is just really wanting to focus on what it means to be Christian uh, and the true biblical understanding, not cultural understanding, but biblical understanding of what it means to be Christian. And so, and I, I briefly mentioned it in the last episode, but I, I, I wrote a book that's not published yet, hopefully soon. <laughs> uh called putting Christ back into Christianity. Um, and it's just, it's centered around just biblical points and biblical, uh, uh, aspects of what it means to be Christian in the Christian life that whether they are just maybe overlooked or maybe not fully understood or just not acted in as we're called to and just calling our attention and our focus back to these areas and say, and just reminding us, like, if we want to be Christian, this is the life that we are called to live. Right. Uh, this is what we're called to do. This is who we're called to be. And so this is really the, the where we want to direct our focus here. And 
So kind of how I want to begin this, this, this first, I guess you could call it introductory episode, maybe introductory episode part two, I guess last episode was the first introductory episode, but I would still consider this one a little bit introductory as well. Um, is I want to take a moment to talk about, I guess, legacy just for just for a moment. We don't have to take a ton of time, but if it does, that's okay. Either way, because um, we really don't talk about legacy enough, and it's a really overlooked topic. But it's a really vitally important topic when you truly understand what you're talking about. Um, so, Pastor Fisher, regarding regarding the Christian life, regarding Christian living, and what it means to be Christian, when 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 someone talks about legacy, uh, where would your mind, where would your thinking go in relation to the legacy that you leave? Um, first, well, first off, you, <laughs> thank you. Um, it's just as loaded as the, uh, yeah. the first question. Um, start my 20 minute timer. You got please. it. Yeah, yeah. 20, I'll give you 25. 25. Thank you. All right. Um, legacy is, it's a, it's a, it's a mapping road to me. It's, uh, looking back and, and seeing the, what brought you to this. Um, but it's also looking back and seeing the, the, um, the things that have made you what you are. So leaving a legacy, I think is vitally important for anybody in, in business. You want to leave a business, you leave a legacy. Um, I've known I've known enough business owners that ended up closing their doors because um, they didn't have anybody to turn their business over to, um, and others I know ended up closing their doors because they turned it over to um, somebody that was not um, that nobody knew and nobody was connected to. So there's multifacets to um, to this in the natural, but also in the spiritual that its legacy is something that you, you, you build on and you hope that somebody looks back on what you did and not to build you up and not to memorialize you, but to remember what happened. And I, my mind goes back to they, the children of Israel crossed over Jordan and they said, let's take stones and build a tabernacle or build a, build a monument here. Um, and, uh, uh, they might use the term build three altars. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, but then Peter, I believe it was um, when Jesus at Mount Transfiguration that uh, yeah. Jesus showed right. himself and Peter reverted back to that same mentality and said, let's build, let's build, uh, yeah, let's, let's do this here. And, yeah. and, and Jesus um, didn't rebuke him, but he, it basically it was like, you're, you're, you're trying to, let's, let's build something else in the spirit. Um, and let's, it's the mindset of remembering where you were, what happened and what's coming, um, and what made you who you are. Yeah. Um, and that process, um, it's hard because that, that process sometimes provokes arrogancy, provokes, uh, flesh, um, to want to prevail because you think you're building, it's, it's very easy to fall in the trap that you're building your kingdom. Yeah. Um, so leaving a spiritual legacy is um, is not looking at building your own kingdom. It's right. about furthering God's kingdom yes. in your life. Yes, yes. Um, and I know Pastor Lane, um, it, just for all the listeners, this is here at our local local church. Um, uh, we're we're trying to promote evangelism in this next year. Um, so let's talk about legacy of personal evangelism. It has to start at the home. Yes. And legacy does not get built without having a foundation. Like anything else, you could use foundation for everything that we talk about. But um, legacy has to be mapped back to somewhere. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have, at this moment, if you don't have a established structure, um, 
what we talked about in the last episode, when I say this, I don't mean a structured time of day or anything. Right. But to fit your life and your schedule, um, make some adjustments where you need to, if you can. But what fits is you need to be consistent daily. Yes. In a 24-hour period, you need to be consistent to fit in prayer and fasting if you can and reading God's Word, uh, studying God's Word. Um, If the only time you study is is every three months when you get asked to preach, that's not studying the Word. Um, The Bible says study to show yourself approved. Yes. Thoroughly furnished in the Word. I mean, you're just, you're studying to, to show God that you know that you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the the Bible and the, the mission statement of this assembly is to know him and to make him known. So not just being a disciple, but also making disciples, not just to know him, but to make him known to others. So the first thing is to know him. Yes. You can't make him known. You can't impart, like we said, unless you possess. So to know him is that personal evangelism and that's where I think the legacy starts. To me, legacy is that road, that map, the, the, my mind, as we were talking earlier, um, from the moment a conversation starts, the figurative hand in my mind starts drawing pictures. Yeah. Yes. I'm an illustrative child <laughs> when it comes to conversation. Yeah. Um, but, and that's why it's very easy for me to draw out what I'm thinking because it's already drawn out in my mind, but it's, it's that way. What comes to my mind right now is a timeline of your life with these push pins of highlights and miracles and, and moments of the mission that God gave you and the moments of the miracle and the moments of time and prayer, the moments of revelation and all these, these pins. Some people can look back in their life and see that windy road and might have three pins on it. Yeah. And I'm just talking reality. Yes. And it's okay. It's okay because hopefully one pin is where you got in church maybe or you received the gift of the Holy Ghost or were baptized in Jesus' name. And another pin is where this this event happened and another is this. But if you're active in the church and active in your not, I don't want to qualify ministry as pulpit or preaching or anything, but active in ministry as leading anybody. Yes. A spouse, a family, yeah. um, children, just as a sibling leading your leading your family in what you can do. Um, if you're the only believer in your house, you are leading that house. Yes. Um, then there needs to be moments of prayer, moments of revelation that you're adding these pins to your to your timeline, and it's looking back over that that it becomes your legacy before God. Yes. That is a road that is mapped out, but. That is the road that's mapped out to know him. Yes. The other legacy road is to make him known. Yes. Some could have a road, and it's very possible to have that road mapped out. Um, and, and I'm using my hand uh, illustratively right now because in my mind, I'm, I'm looking back at the third grade poster of the settlers going through because that's just how my mind works. And that windy Oregon Trail maybe in, in the, the little camps or camps that they they the points and towns they they founded but anyway it you could have it's possible to have that road of legacy in your relationship to know him and have all these pins in there and all these moments of miracles and mm-hmm. revelation but then your legacy to make him known mm. to make disciples yes may be empty oh, yeah yeah. And that is a detriment that the yes. church needs to realize in yes. their legacy. Yes. Is personal relationship with God is great and yes. needed essential. To, to have any essential to have anything. Yeah. But if that's all it is mm. and you're not reaching the world, then yes. what legacy do they know you by? Right. So yes. and it's been said before that if your church was to shut their doors today, would your community know or yes. would your community miss? the effect of that church. Would they even know that you close your doors? Exactly. Is it just a building that is full on Wednesdays and Sundays with cars and then it, it's empty? Right. Is it a name that is reaching the community? Are people being touched and and uh, affected by by what you're doing in the community? So not just not just the disappearance, but the effect and the void. Would they feel a void? Yeah. So 
what void are we filling in the world? Yeah. There, there's needs. The world has needs. Yes. Definitely. Are we identifying those needs or are we just coming and being a fatted calf in the stall? Mm. So legacy to me is the, the balance between um, having that personal to know him and also the, the public to make him known. Yes, definitely. So you cannot, to, to have, balance, I guess, balanced legacy yeah. would be a more appropriate answer to that. Yeah. Um, legacy to me is, is a balance between public and private. Yes. You have to have a relationship with God that's essential, but you also have to have the, the public, what do people know you by? Yes. Um, I, can, I can only pray that when I pass, and I've, I've, I grew up in a house with um, two brothers, a mom and dad that loved God, um, and a great Christian household, but um, having all brothers, there was a difference, and it's just there's there's times that, uh, and uh, I don't know if my parents are listening, <laughs> um, but there's times that we're sensitivity was not really at the top of our thought process. Me and me and my brothers, uh, we argued, we we fought, we wrestled. Uh, uh, injuries happened. Um, malicious things happened. Um, I could go on stories for days, uh, months even uh, with that. Um, longer if you ask my brother about me. But it's that difference, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get, that difference to me now is I have one son and two daughters. So to me, I see the, a difference there that I never grew up around sisters. I never... So having the daughters, it's a shift that I see more of a sensitive side that I'm thinking that's, that's got me in that thinking of, okay, when I pass, what have I done as a father to help them yeah. do things in their life, guide them to make better decisions, be there when they fall, be there, be that sensitive shoulder to cry on as well as be that strong hand to lift them up. So all this balance that I need to be for them personally, that's not, that's not even what I need to do as a church leader or a mentor or a uh, Sunday school teacher, youth leader, anything, any of the hats, many hats that I've worn. That's just as a parent. Yeah. The gravity that that holds, I want to be able to look back. And when I'm gone, I'm not the one looking back. Everybody else is going to look back. Yes. So what are they going to see through what I've done to affect their life. Yes. I don't need affirmation. I don't need the accolades. I don't need an epitaph written that's 200 pages long. I don't need a book published and put in the Library of Congress, be whatever. My my path and my road is is forever marked in heaven. Yes. So that's that's my relationship with God. But it would be beneficial to know and I think it is a God ordained thing that we leave something here to propel others towards him. Yes. So not only am I supposed to get to heaven, but I'm supposed to lead others to heaven. Yes. So balanced legacy. Yeah. The two roads with as many as many moments in there that uh, that you can identify and change a life. Yeah. I think that's a good legacy to leave. I really like really like where you took that and I'm really glad you took it in that direction. Um, about the balanced, uh, both personal and, and and public, because you're hundred percent right. To know him to make him known. You can't make him known if you don't know him. Right. But what's the point? Obviously, yes, there is a point to knowing him. But what is the? What are you building upon that? Right. You know, what what follows that? Uh, and you know, when and when I. I hope and pray. I I, I hope and pray that uh, I leave a, a a godly legacy to whoever it is that looks back on my life. Um, but you know, just specifically, like I can recall, like I don't have a huge, lengthy, apostolic heritage like some others might have. Um, but what apostolic heritage heritage I do have, I can think back on those who came before me and just they may not not have known it then Mm -hmm. but just the impact that they continued to have on my life 
like I so my great grandfather I I have one of his oldest Bibles that's awesome. that's full of um, like notes uh, that he put that he wrote out on little pieces of paper and stuck in his Bible um, highlighted patches, passages uh, circled areas just and it's it, it's a worn tattered Bible I oftentimes just I, I have it with me oftentimes in my personal time in prayer just just like holding on to it um, there have even been times where just so desiring to to have a a, a closer connection with God mm-hmm. where I've even taken it as I've slept and held it against my chest. Yeah. Not because I'm by any means worshiping him, no. but because he just left such a, a mark in my life yeah. of just stories I heard about him and things that I witnessed personally in his own life that were just, uh, just, just his, his love and his passion for God and the things of God just you know, it spurs you mm-hmm. um so being a i guess you could say a recipient of someone's legacy i guess you could word it like that yeah. um it spurs it spurs you on and and, and it makes you want to leave the same for somebody else right i want someone to, to someday take my bible and hold it on their chest as they sleep at night i yeah. want someone to, someone to someday take my bible yeah. and while they pray hold it close to them um, not because they're honoring me anyway, but because they recognize such a passion right. within me that they want to catch a glimpse of that. Right. My mind goes to uh, Elijah and Elisha. Yeah. Um, I think that is a just one of the most profound examples of a legacy that we have in the Bible. Um, you could use Paul and Timothy, but I think that in terms of illustrative wise i think elijah and elisha offer a little bit more because you have you know we have uh in scripture where elijah calls um elisha to 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 follow him um and it's really interesting because he's out in his fields he sees elisha and he literally slaughters Mm -hmm. the animal right there literally sacrifice instant sacrifice to follow after the man of God in his life, going back to what we were talking about last episode. Like there was just like what he stopped. He, he was working. Yeah. He was about his family business, but the mince, the, the instant the man of God entered his life and called him to follow, there was sacrifice. Yeah. Um, but, and then we, we really don't see or hear much from Elisha at all. After that, it's mm-hmm. just Elijah, but you assume that, Elisha was there the entire time. Right. Um, because then we come to the end of Elijah's life and his ministry. And all of a sudden Elisha appears again, seemingly yeah. out of nowhere. But again, assuming he was there the entire time. Right. Um, and uh, Elijah paraphrasing, you know, says essentially, what do you want? You know, what, what, what do you want from this relationship? Essentially. And he says, I want a double portion of, 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 of your ministry, of yeah. your mantle. I want a double portion of it. And Elijah outright says, he said, this is not a light thing that you have asked. Right. This is a heavy thing that you have asked. But he said, but it will be granted to you if at the time of my catching away, you, you, see, you see it. Meaning you're, you're there. Yeah. You're, you're present. You're, 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 you're with me the whole way. You're, as we said in the last episode, uh, you're at the, at the, at my heels, eating the dust in my feet. If you're there and you're present and you're aware and you're, you're in tune and you're intentional up until my passing, it'll be yours. And the story goes that as they're walking, a, a chariot of fire came down and, and swooped up Elijah. And Elisha, Elisha was there the whole time. And then he's staring up and he sees the mantle of Elisha coming down. And then it's, it's incredibly powerful because then he takes that mantle and the miracle that he just saw Elijah do, smacking the Jordan. Right. He then goes to that same, that same river with that same mantle, smacks the Jordan 
and says, where is the God of Elijah? Mm-hmm. And the waters part. Right. But, so, we, we have this, again, this, this, this illustration of this legacy that is left. Because Elisha was there the whole time. And, and Elijah was seemingly pouring into him that whole time. But then there, there came a point in time, as you said, when there was a passing over. There was a, there was a no longer just knowing him. Now there was a making him known. Yeah. And there was a transition that happened. And that transition was possible because the recipient of it, he was there. Mm-hmm. He was present. He was aware. He was intentional. And because of that, he was able to receive what the former generation had. Yeah. Um, so kind of taking it from the other end of, cause you, you talked about it mainly from the point of you're the one leaving the legacy. Um, but then taking it from the other perspective of the one receiving the legacy, mm-hmm. you don't receive the benefits of a legacy by being a, a mere passerby. No, you don't receive the benefits of a legacy simply by being associated because of your name. Right, you receive the legacy of those who came before you because you were intentional, yeah, and because you were you, when they were there, you were there, and you intentionally sought after what they had, and you said, "I want a double portion of what you have." And that's yeah. not a light thing, and and so they said to you, whether in actuality or just metaphorically, the only way you're going to receive it is if you're there, yeah, is if you are there and present, and so when we talk about legacy. We, obviously, it needs to be talked about from the end of the one leading the legacy, because what legacy are you leaving? Right. But also from the end of the one receiving the legacy. The only way you're going to receive that double portion of the mantle, the only way you're going to receive the, the, the anointing or whatever from those who came before you is if there is an intentionality within you to be present and to be aware yeah. and to pursue it. I don't carry my great-grandpa's Bible around and, and hold it on my chest and I while I sleep just because it's something I enjoy doing right it's because there is a desire within me to be more than I currently am and I recognize that he had something that I may not possess in the fullness yet right but I want it and so there's a, a an intentionality and a pursuit and a hunger within me but it's because I'm able to recognize that he had right. something yeah Legacy is a powerful thing. It's it's amazing that life is illustrated in the Bible many times as a vapor that that disappears. It's a it's fleeting. It's it's something that's here and then it's gone. Uh, we think it's and call it a life. We're here for a lifetime, which that's true. It's time of your life, but in reality, in relation to eternity, our life is nothing. Yeah. But it's amazing how something that is in in the grand scheme of things, nothing can have a eternal lasting yes. impression on other lives. Yes. So, and that is the ultimate design of, uh, of what God wanted is that through generations, it would, uh, it would leave, leave a mark, leave a fingerprint, leave a footprint in sand, uh, for the next one to follow, um, to have all these things. But with legacy, like you said, there's gotta be that moment. That's not, you're not just a passerby. You're, you're buying into this thing. Yes. Um, and with that, it's a similar. It's funny because the Old Testament, I, I love the Old Testament stories coupled with yeah. the new. I don't know how some people dismiss one for the other. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get the Old Testament is types and shadows of, of what's to come and this and that. But because it was not, the spirit had not yet been given, it was so physical yes. in the in the Old Testament my illustrative mind loves the Old Testament because everything is illustrative. Yes. Definitely. So putting a New Testament principle and using an Old Testament illustration is just perfect to me because it is the fulfillment of, of yes. that principle. Yes. Um, and that's what I think we miss is sometimes is we, we, we see the, the drastic or the dramatic power of the gospel in the New Testament, but we don't correlate that with the illustration in the, in the Old when there's a perfect, when, anyway, it's just a, it's a neat pairing. But uh, what I see the pairing of that legacy in the New Testament is um, uh, Simon, I believe, Simon the sorcerer approached yes. the disciples yeah, and Peter, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
said that uh, um, whatever you have, I want it. Yes. Basically, I've tried to replicate whatever this is, mm -hmm. but this is, I'm trying to do this. I want what you have, but um, I've got money, this and that. And yes. It's basically, the reality of you can't buy this. Yes. You can't buy this. What Simon didn't understand is that this is not bought with money. This mm -hmm. is bought with blood. Mm -hmm. So many words found in the scripture, life is in the blood. The, there is not re atonement and redemption without uh, without the blood. Yes. So this was not purchased through just because you, you, you as a business owner, you can't just jump into a business and, and buy it. Right. And, and buy it and think that everything you, you've got, everything all the history that comes with this because you just purchased it if you do that that's you may or may not have it but it's not because you bought it it's because there's something that was lasting there that is still connected to that past whether it's the the clientele the people that work there whatever but all you did was put your name on it and and hope that you can keep it running the same yeah but it's in the spiritual it is when you tap into something you can't put a there's no price that can be given fleshly for this, but it's through your life. Yes. And it's the life that purchases the legacy. Yeah. It's the sacrifices daily that purchase the legacy. It's the blood for your sins that was given that purchases the ability for the legacy. Yes. Um, so the understanding that we don't, we don't, we can't buy this thing. We can only give to this, give into this thing. Yes. So, Stop trying to purchase miracles and give in to the flow of the miracle. Yeah. Um, and allow yourself to be overtaken by that legacy that's wanting to wanting to be left and wanting to leave you in something. So that what you said perfectly is, is just the the power behind the legacy. It, it, the life fleeting is funny because the closer you get to God, the more you're rooted with God, yeah. the more you study yeah. Him and know Him, the more you can cling to people. Yes. Without worshiping them. Yes. Without i i idol i idolizing them. Yes. Um, because you could take that many different. Ways. A lot of people would follow after somebody, um, and it's just ridiculous how they follow a person. Yes. Yeah, and then that person changes their ideologies. I mean, I'm not talking little; I'm talking drastic. Yes, and people will follow them. You find out how much people know about God or the person when the person changes, mm -hmm. because God won't change. Correct. Yes. So if you're measuring your faith and your words by man's words, yeah, then you'll be susceptible. Again, talked last episode about a small degree change, but just given time, you'll find yourself way away from the fold. Um, so you have to always measure your words and faith uh, through the word. But if you're, the more grounded you are in God, the more you can hold on appropriately and rightly those feelings and connections to people because that's, you're, you're clinging to their legacy and hoping that their legacy would, would you would be a part of their, their roadmap and you would allow their impartation and that spirit to, to affect you and your ministry. So, yeah, legacy is a very powerful thing. Yeah. And, you know, so in, uh, well, I was saying that how you could look to uh, the relationship to Paul and Timothy to also kind of illustrate legacy as well. You know, we aren't told a ton about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Uh, um, told a little bit, obviously, Timothy followed Paul on his journeys throughout the book mm -hmm. of Acts. And we know that. Uh, Timothy was as a son to Paul in the gospel, um, wrote two very personal letters to Timothy. Mm -hmm. um, but in uh, 2 Timothy 1, um, Paul is writing to him. And, you know, Timothy had, a, you know, he was gleaning after the legacy that Paul was leaving, you know, right. soaking up that, that father to son spiritual relationship. But Paul reminded him of another legacy that he had. Um, Paul said that he would that he was brought to joy whenever he thought about the the, the spiritual heritage or legacy that he had mm -hmm. first with his uh, grandmother Lois, Lois and yeah. then his mother Eunice, Eunice. Um, and and he said which is now in you, right? And so, you know, there can be 
you and we, we can talk about this from the perspective of both the one like the one leaving the legacy but also the one receiving the legacy you know there are there are legacies that we grab a hold of that are you know outside of our immediate whatever our mm-hmm. immediate family you know legacies of various ministers that we latch on to like their their mantle like like the, right. for example the ship between elijah and elisha there was no relation relation there it was just a it, it was purely a a discipleship type of you know right. he was the prophet came by um and said follow me and the the disciple said you got it mm-hmm. um it, there wasn't a familial uh relation there but we can turn that more to you know the familial aspect to it as well and you you alluded to it already um the legacy that we leave within our own families um or the legacies that we receive from our family like i did with i do with my my great grandfather um uh just the impact that we're having within our own our own home right within our own immediate sphere of influence uh, because Timothy received from Paul, but there was also something that he received from those who came before him right. that was passed down to him and was now in him. Mm-hmm. And again, again there was a, so there was a legacy that was pointed down to him, but at the, uh, repeating again from the other end of it, because it was now in him, that means he had to look up to it right. and, act, and actually engage in with it. Right. It wasn't just... Oh, I was born into this thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a, oh, this is just, you know, what my family, we've always gone to church. You know, I was raised on a pew. I don't care if you were raised on a pew. <laughs> Who are you now? Right. And what are you reaching after now? It doesn't matter if you were raised on a pew or not. It, right. like, I was raised on a pew, and I'm saying that. Like, yeah. I, was, I was raised in the apostolic faith. Yeah. But that means nothing if I don't reach after it now. Right. There is no legacy that I'm grabbing a hold of. I'm mean, sorry. There is there, there there's no legacy within me if I don't grab a hold of it now. Right. It doesn't just automatically get in you just because oh my dad was so and so. Yeah. Who are you? Exactly. That, that and so when we talk about so putting Christ back into Christianity we need to make it personal. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop, you know, approaching our faith from the lens of, oh, my parents were so and so. I don't care who your parents were. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Because your your parents' faith is going to do nothing for you right. if you don't reach for it. Right. If you don't grasp after the same thing. Yeah. Because you could be raised on a pew and you could stay on a pew for your whole life, but if you reach for nothing, you will attain nothing. Right. You, you you attain whatever you go after. And so when we're talking about, you know, the, the Christian life and putting Christ back into Christianity, we need to stop making it about everyone around us. Mm-hmm. Our parents, our, our, our grandparents, our, our aunts, our uncles, our friends, our pastor, whoever, and make it about you. Right. What is the life that you are pursuing? What is, what are you reaching after what are you striving for yeah because that's the question that we really need to address and that we really need to ask ourselves is what is our personal pursuit yeah what what is our aim you know we, I, we mentioned in the last episode that desire determines direction direction determines destination yeah so what is our desire where, where are we putting our desire in right and so as we you know, really begin to dive into this topic of putting Christ back into Christianity, I think it's really, really imperative that we set the, the, the premise with the understanding of we have to make it personal. Yeah. Stop making it about everyone else around you. Take them out of the picture for just a minute and just make it about you. Right. Like, I'm. thank God for those that you have in your life that are able to pour into you, whether past or present. But if you don't do anything with what they poured into you, it means nothing. And right. you, you let it fall as, you know, the parable of the sower from, uh, in, in the Gospels. It, it's just like the seed that was sown to the wayside. Mm-hmm. It profited nothing. It did nothing. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens when there is no, when we don't make it personal. Yeah. When it's just, 
oh, this is just, you know, who I am because this is how I was raised. Yeah. It, it's the detriment is um, we don't make it, we don't make it personal. We don't bring it home. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, back to the two roadmaps of legacy, uh, knowing him and making him known, uh, the public and the private you, it's still you. It's what are you doing? And it's very possible to have that personal relationship with God, but not have that public relationship of feeding into others. Yeah. So I believe God is, is commanding us to do both. Yes. Um, yes. in, in sequence though, because, um, they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment of all was, yes. and he gave them two, right? Yes. So yep. there was the greatest was love the Lord thy God, and then also it was love thy neighbor. Yes. So it was, you cannot do the second without the first. Correct. Yes. So this is the same sequence. You cannot have a public relationship without a private relationship. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's what God's calling us to. Um, the, uh, I had a train of thought, now I'm getting old. Um, I promise it was good. I'll get back to it. That's all right. Take your time. Um, <laughs> we, we, got, got we got 20 minutes. 20, time. Minute, 20 minutes. <laughs> Um, sorry, that's going to be a joke this entire, uh, this entire episode. Um, the, uh, leaving a legacy is, um, you were talking as spurring off of what you were talking about before. Um, oh, man, I had it. Um, the legacy talking about the personal, making, making it personal. Yeah. There has to be this, um, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to word it. Um, not only can I not think about the thought, but I, I know I had the thought and I couldn't think about how to word it when I had the thought. Um, but the, the idea of the, um, the ebb and the flow, um, I guess of, of the understanding of leaving a legacy is we put so much on, um, on our own legacy. And this, this is very unique because sometimes you have two people dialoguing and one is a first generation. One's coming into the faith and living outside of the church for a portion and coming in the other person born and raised on the pew. This, this podcast, you have two, two adults that were born and cut their teeth on a, a Pentecostal pew. So, yeah. um, but nonetheless, our perspective is still, synonymous yeah that you have to at some point get this for yourself yes you can't follow it now i i wanted the legacy that my my grandfather left my my parents um that's what i wanted i i watched them as they were givers yeah. i watched them as they were faithful i watched them as they were consistent um that was the legacy that i wanted to follow after i i watched uh friends of mine older um as we got to become young adults. They were single. Um, they weren't living on their own, but they were, I mean, just doing their own things. They had cars, they had bills, they had, um, phones and gas and other things to pay for. And, and they were struggling, but they were doing the best and different things. And I would watch my, my grandfather just, he'd walk up to somebody and shake their hand. When, when he got done shaking their hand, they, he ended up slipping a hundred dollar bill in their hand. Um, it was blessing people without the need for recognition. Yeah. It was that's the legacy that I grew up with. Yeah. That's the the friendships that I that I had that there was a there was a sense of loyalty, sense of, of honor, of trust, of integrity that there was it was always pushed. And it nothing gives me greater joy than to sit down with my own father and, and my brother and and talk scripture and talk through things and just and sometimes it's not even um Simple conversations like this is, is I mean, how can this be done better? How how can this through the biblical principles? Yeah. How is this done? So it's those conversations that are that are good and leading and imparting from one generation to the next um, that we need to have, and that's conversations that I think don't get had in some houses, um, in some Christian homes, and. Um, I really feel a need for this next year, 2024, to 
for every, whether it's a church directive or a personal directive or worldwide directive, I think it's pertinent that we look at how our homes are lining up yes. to this. Yeah, definitely. Um, because it's one thing, it's it's the cart and the horse analogy. It's We get the cart before the horse too much. There's no doubt in my mind that that God was going to send fire to the altar, right? Elijah's praying. Yeah. Prophets of Baal. God's greater. Yeah. There's no doubt. Absolutely. But at the same time, there was a process. Yes. There was preparation of the yes. altar yes. that had to happen before the miracle came. Yes. So what we do, I think, is in our, in our own homes is we, we charge forward and look at other people, false doctrine, other ideologies, and say, well, you don't have the way, you don't have Jesus. So that you're, you know, we know it's not going to work, but give us a shot. And then we try to call fire down from heaven. But the altar's not prepared. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. even in the face of 400 prophets of Baal cutting themselves, imagine the illustrative atmosphere there it's a bloody mess um and i don't say that in the sense of english terms I mean, it was <laughs> literal literal blood everywhere um because they were trying to sacrifice themselves yes, yes. to their god trying yes. to get them to listen cutting their own arms and wrists yes, yes everything yeah. and it was and and elijah had such faith that he gathered the people of it the people and said come and we're going and at one point i i, I don't have it in front of me but at one point i think he he turned to the people, and the people joined with him in the preparation. So let's think about this. The altar was not prepared by him alone. Yeah. Because this was not a private altar. No, it was public. This was a public altar. Yes, yeah. This was a public sacrifice. This yes. was a public demonstration of God's power. Yes. Right? Yes. God's power, the foolishness of preaching is to them that are them that believe. Preaching is not for the sinner. Preaching is for the, the, the believer. Yeah. It brings people to conviction is yes. what saves the sinner. Yes. So it's through preaching that conviction comes, but also there's a whole different line of that we can talk about. Also, the, the fact of hearing that I've got in the back of my mind, I'm trying to stay that thought so I don't go down that bunny trail. But it's the public altar that is in preparation now, and Elijah could not do it on his own. Right. Yes. Twelve barrels of water. I mean, the wood, the water, the trenches. Yes. He transformed the altar into and prepared it for God to really do a miracle. Yes. And it was all by the directive of God. Yes. So Elijah couldn't do it himself. The people had to do it. So public altar is something where the people come together and they do this. But the private altar is what you do at home. Yes. Yeah. It was the private consecration that got everybody in unity. So we need to understand that the legacy, private and public, the correlation here is unity does not start in public. Unity starts in private. That's good. Yeah. Because everybody that is going to come to, to our church on Sunday morning has many different occupations, many yes. different walks of life, many different demographics, many different, a multicultural church, a multi-generational church, I mean, so on and so forth. Everybody's not on the same page naturally. But they're all coming because we're unified in Christ. Yes. So if we're not unified with Christ privately, mm. you will not be unified with your brother and sister publicly. That's good. So having that 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 synchronization of that process, private to public, that altar cannot be prepared publicly if it was not prepared and done privately. Yes. To get them together. Yes. So how we think we can circumvent that process is astounding to say the least that we can fake it till we make it. We can project the image and not have that legacy. Um, and for that, what are we doing? We're teaching the next generation yes. that you can do whatever you want Monday through Friday mm. and Saturday and Sunday, you get your life right. And then you go right back to it. Yes. Right. So at what point do we make that shift and start to course correct and start to really get down to the nuts and bolts of Christianity and leave that legacy yeah. to this world? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, apparently this whole entire episode is devoted to legacy. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. It's in, it's in alignment with what the vein that we were already in starting with the last episode. Um 
but uh, kind of already, I guess, feeding off of what's already been said, but honing in a little bit more with it. Um, you know, when we talk about legacy, the, 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 the truth of the matter is a legacy is going to be left whether we like it or not. Right. Because a lot of times when we think of legacy, we associate it with good. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. But a bad legacy can also be left. Right. Because a legacy is the impact that someone had, how they are remembered. That can be a bad thing. Yeah. And so when we talk about legacy, legacy is not something that it a legacy will be left whether we want a legacy to be left or not. The yeah. question is what legacy is left. And what legacy is left can either happen just without you putting much thought into it and the legacy that will be left will probably be something that you probably wouldn't have wanted to be left. Right. Or it can be intentional. And then you can shape the legacy that you leave. Yeah. Um, because if, if you just go through your life with no intentionality whatsoever and just everything is just me, then you'll still leave a legacy. The legacy that you leave, 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 will leave is me. Mediocre. And people will just, when they think back on you, they'll just think back and say, oh, well, <laughs> what did they really do? What, what did, what, what did they do? You know, or we can be intentional. And when people think back on our lives, they cannot help but think, wow, you know, I just, I just remember them. They, they knew the word. I just remember them and they were always praying. I just remember them and they were just, they were just, they always had just, a, a, a scripture reference just like mm-hmm. right there for every situation i i remember them and they were just always so just 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 godly focused mm-hmm. but that doesn't happen just because yeah so it requires intentionality to partake of a legacy it also requires intentionality to leave right a legacy because you you in and of yourself whether consciously or subconsciously determine the legacy you leave. Yeah. And that's, that's really the whole premise of what we're talking about here is intentionally leaving a Christian legacy. Yeah. And not just a Christian legacy in terms of, Oh, they were a good person because I, I, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but it bears repeating here. So, uh, recently, so I, I don't know how many, C.S. Lewis fans we have here. I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of his, but it's I know C.S. Lewis. Um, and I read some of his works. Um, and so in his book, Mere Christianity, he, he made a really, really profound point that has just stuck with me. Um, he used the, uh, the example of the word gentleman. Um, so gentleman in our day and age... We, we say someone's a gentleman, and it is a recognition of character. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we call someone a gentleman, that's high praise. Oh, you are, you are kind, you are courteous, you are chivalrous, you are whatever. Right. It, 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 it's, it's a praise. It's, it's praisal. Um, but the actual original use of that word had nothing to do with one's character. It was one's position. Mm-hmm. It was one's just simply... The, 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 the title that they hold. Yeah. And all it meant was that they were a lord and they owned, or a noble, one of the two, and they owned land. More That's what sta- it was. To be, status. Yeah, it, yeah, simply, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It, was, it was just status. It was a simple recognition of, by cultural standards, mm-hmm. who they were, the position that they held, the status that they had. But over time, that word changed... Literally, if you looked up the word gentleman in the dictionary, mm-hmm. it would have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with that meaning. Yeah. It would, all it would refer to would be how we understand it today. Yeah. So the literal definition of the word has changed 
to where it's no longer even associated with its original meaning because how it was used in conversations right. changed its meaning. And C.S. Lewis pointed out the same thing is happening with the terminology of being Christian. He said that we have so many different words that all um, essentially mean the same thing. You're a good person. Just to call someone a gentleman is ultimately saying they're a good person. Mm-hmm. You can just say it outright and say, oh, you're a good person. We could say they're a nice person, a kind person, whatever. There are so many different ways to say you're a good person. Yeah. And he said, the way he puts it is that the word Christian is becoming just another way to call someone a good person. Oh, you're so you're, you're such a Christian. Right. And the only reason why they're saying that is because they did one good thing, right. but the rest of their life is just hell bound. Right. But you did one good thing. So you are, you're, that was such a Christian thing to do. Yeah. And, and he was so true. Like he, he, he was so right. And that, that word has so the meaning of that word has so changed over time. And thank God there are individuals who have held, have, who have endeavored to help hold fast to the true meaning and have not allowed it to completely change. Yeah. Um, because if everyone in the world, you know, averted to the new meaning of the word Christian and just being a good person, we would have no understanding of what it meant to be Christian anymore. Right. We would just think, oh, it's just being good every once in a while. That's all it means to be Christian. Yeah. That's the present postmodern definition of what it means to be Christian. Mm-hmm. Just be a good person every once in a while. Yeah. Do a kind thing every once in a while. You know, oh, you, you see uh, you see someone drop the tissue, pick it up for them. Oh, you're so Christian. That, don't get me wrong. That's a nice thing to do. Right. But that does not save you. Right. And so when we are talking about legacy and a Christian legacy, not just talking about being a good person or just, you know, being, being nice mm-hmm. or being kind or whatever. Those are good things, but it doesn't mean you're Christian. Right. And so we need to understand what it means to leave a Christian legacy. Right. And the only way we understand that is if we go back to the Christ who set the tone for what it meant to be Christian. Right. You cause I don't know how if people actually pay attention to the structure of words at all. I do. Yeah. But you literally can't say the word Christian without saying Christ. Right. You can't spell the word Christian without spelling Christ. Why? Because without him there is nothing. There is nothing. Right. So if you took him from it, all you would have is in. Yeah. I ain't in. What does that get you? Ian. You want to be like Ian? Go ahead. Be like Ian. I don't care who he, I don't even know who Ian is. I only know like one Ian and he's not that great of a person. Um, he's, that, not, he's not Christian. No, he's not. Um, don't worry. He won't ever hear that. Um, yeah, and he, was off topic. We are rapidly running out of time, running out of time and going off topic here. Uh, ignore what I just said. Anyway. Um, anyway. So... In the, in, in, the, in the subject of, uh, of, of being Christian and leaving a legacy, it is paramount, paramount that we actually go back to the one who set the stage for being Christian. Yeah. Look to him and say, this is what it means to leave a Christian legacy. Yeah. And then live our lives in correlation to that standard. But we have to have that standard in order to actually leave a Christian legacy. Right. That's good. Um, just real quick. With that, um, with an ideology that's changed over the years, it's okay to understand that you got to tear down some altars. Yes. To tear down some things. Um, real quick, I can't even think about where it's, it's in, I think, First Kings. Uh, Josiah was eight years old or something when he was pronounced king. He was under the leadership of the elders for a while. And then when he took over as king, he stepped in and basically, long story short, read it for yourself. Um, I challenge you to. Um, But it goes through his great-grandpa worshiped God, and then his grandpa fell away from God and then came back 
And basically every time they fell away to idolatry and the groves and the altars to the false gods, um, they had those there, but they never, they, they just quarantined them off. They never tore them down. So it was the next generation that came that they were still erected and it was so easy for them to go back to those false gods because they were still there. So when Josiah took over, one of the first things he did was he went and cut down the groves, tore down the altars, and removed every yes. bad ideology that was out there. So it's okay to identify those things and remove them from your life yes. rather than leave them there on just the basis that this is Western culture, this is what we have to do yes. and do. But it's okay to leave that legacy the right way. Yes, amen. So wrapping up... Um Hope this bless you guys, and also um, in terms of Josiah, Second Kings twenty two and twenty three are the chapters. Um, powerful, powerful narrative there. Um, I actually just read that recently, so I knew exactly where it was. Um, but yes, I pray that this bless you guys, and we are excited about what is to come in these new segments, and we pray that all that we discuss really is a blessing to everyone. In Jesus name. Thank you again for joining in with us today. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. We know that we all have busy lives. And the, the fact that you took time out of your day to join us and listen in with us, it, it means so much to us. We pray that what was talked about today was a blessing to you and impacted you. It made, made a difference in your life. And if it did, we would be so grateful and so appreciative if you shared this episode with someone you care about, a loved one, a family member, or a friend. It would mean the world to us. In Jesus' name, God bless.